All right, it is indeed a pleasure to be with you tonight. I hope I can say that by the time this is over. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> now, you're supposed to laugh a little harder than that. Come on. Let, let, me, let me do a little something to loosen you up, amen. No, uh, I am grateful for the opportunity to be here with you tonight uh, to share the Word of God with you, amen. amen. Uh, and I'm excited to hear some of the things that you all are doing to uh, reach this neighborhood and this community. The church has a tremendous opportunity to make a difference. And for so long, too many churches have been too insular and too much to themselves and have not touched those who are around them, amen. And that there are, there are countless numbers of people who need to know the real Jesus. Amen. And the real Jesus will be known because of how God will work in and through us. Touch somebody and say, he's talking to you. Yeah, he's I'm talking to you too, buddy. <laughs> Amen. Amen. First, I want to give honor to God tonight uh, and to Jesus Christ who's the head of my life. Amen. I love me some Jesus, folks. Amen. I'm not here to give my testimony tonight. If I, if I did, you'd all come to the altar and get saved all over again. It's just that good. Amen. But there are three things that I love without measure. One is I love the people of God. I love being around people who have said, I'm going to take my will and, and surrender it to God so that God can be honored in my life. Amen. So that God can use me to touch others. The second thing is I love the word of God. Aren't you sick of the political pundits? Aren't you sick of all the news reporters? We used to have journalists, not much anymore, amen. And so I am longing and hungry for a word, somebody say, from heaven. From heaven. We need God to speak, amen. amen. Amen, we need God to speak. So I love, that's why I love the word of God. And then I love to worship, Woo, Jesus. Why do you guys only sing two songs while I'm here? Get back up here. Come on, you guys, come on, don't cut the worship short. I know the word is important, but good. They can stay here another 15 minutes. They're going to go home and watch Matlock and Perry Mason or, or what's that little, you know, one of those little TV reality shows, which I can't stand. You're not going home to go to bed. Come on, come on, come on, y'all. Seriously, come back up. No, I'm just kidding. No, but I, I do, I love, I love, I love worship. But, but there is actually a fourth thing that I love. That is, I love sharing uh, the truth of God with people who don't yet understand. There is nothing more exhilarating than to see somebody have their eyes opened to the reality of Jesus. Because I remember when I was walking in darkness and walking in blindness, amen, and the day when I came to a point where I realized who God really was, it was an exciting day for me. And so to see somebody come to know Christ uh, in his reality and to become a devoted follower there's nothing better. There is nothing better. So this is why we need to take advantage of, of being endowed with the Spirit of God so that he can use us where we work, where we live, where we learn, and where we play. Amen? Now, how many have not been on vacation yet? <clears throat> how many are planning to go on vacation before school starts? Okay, when you go out to play, I want you to tell somebody about Jesus. Amen? In between, you know, Getting sand in your toes and water and all that stuff. Tell somebody about it. It's, it's exciting. Amen. Well, let's pray. And I'm going to share a few thoughts from the word of God tonight. God in heaven, we thank you again for just your reality. Thank you for the power that you make available to each and every one of us, individually and collectively. <coughs> Excuse me. I may need a little water up here. I got a little something in my, my throat here. 
God, and we just are grateful for the privilege that we have to reflect your heart, your passion, your will, and your way. God, and sometimes it gets a little hard reflecting you, trying to uphold your way and your word and your will. But God, we're thankful for the grace and the strength that you give to each and every one of us. So be with us tonight as we share from your word, God. We ask that you and you alone would be honored. And it's in your son's precious and holy name that we pray. And we're all going to say what? Amen. Amen. And amen. We're going to read from a familiar text of scripture tonight. How many of you have ever read uh, Jeremiah 29? All right. We're going to read from Jeremiah 29. Is it? I think they're going to put it up on the screen so you can read along with me. Amen. Now, if that if that if that scripture up there, you know I can't see that at all. Lord have mercy. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Well, I'll I'll read it here. Amen. Jeremiah 29. <laughs> I was expecting big words, big letters. Hey. Okay, but here we go. Here we go. I should say before I really get started that I love, I love your pastor. You have a good, good pastor. And, and, I, and I believe that he loves Jesus as much as me. Amen. But I, know, but I know he loves this church and he loves Auburn. Actually, he loves the region. And he and I have had the chance to work together just praying over and talking about God. How do we, how do we saturate the sound? With your good news. Amen. Anyway, here we go. Jeremiah, I'm going to start with, uh, for, what? Thank you, brother. Now, that's a real pastor right there. <laughs> yes. Okay, Jeremiah 29. This is what it says. Now, this is the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to what was left of the elders among the exiles to the priests and the prophets and all the exiles whom, get this, Nebuchadnezzar had taken into Babylon from Jerusalem, including King Jehoiakim, the queen mother, the government leaders, and all the skilled laborers and craftsmen. This letter was carried to Elisha, son of Shaphan, and Jemariah, son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, had sent to Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. And the letter said this. Don't, don't, aren't you glad that I could say those names? So this is the message. Actually, let me do this. Let me uh, go back to my NIV version. Here we go. So this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Now catch that. I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses, settle down, plant gardens, eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, seek the peace or the welfare and the prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Catch that phrase. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. But this is what the Lord says. When 70, 70, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. 
This is the familiar verse that, verse that we know. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart, and I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity and I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to this place from which I carried you into exile. And that's the word of the Lord. Amen? Amen. So what I want to do, I know the pastor has been on the theme, what is God saying? And I want to, I want to end that, that series by saying God does not want us to be uh, afraid of hardship. Don't want us to think it's strange when we have some kind of fiery trial. Amen? But rather, he wants us to understand that's a part of what it means to follow him. So I want to knock in the head the idea that this Christian life should be a really smooth life. But first, I want to apologize for all the pastors who have given us the idea that when we come to Jesus, guess what? Everything is going to be just fine. How many times have we heard that, amen? Especially if you watch televangelists, nothing goes wrong on TV. It all works out, Amen. Until, until you turn the TV off and then hell breaks out against you, right? And it's true that we are new creatures in Jesus, yes. Indeed, we have been set free from the sting of sin and death, amen. It is true that we are joint heirs with Christ, yes. But we also become enemies of Satan and he comes after you like a hound dog from heaven. Somebody said, oh boy. How many know that to be true? When we come to Jesus, we can expect a fight, amen. When we come to Jesus, we need to realize that, that we're entering into a spiritual battlefield, not a play field. A battleground, not a playground. Too many of us think this ought to be a playground, so when something hard happens to us, guess what? We fall out, we faint, we lose heart, we want to give up, we want to turn and run away, we want to just stop living, Amen. And God is saying, uh-uh, no, 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 not if you're a devoted follower of Jesus. No, you keep on keeping on. M. Scott Peck in his book, The Road Less Travel, starts a book with this emphatic statement. He says, life is difficult. Now tell somebody else, life is difficult. Tell them life can hurt you sometime. Tell somebody else, life can disappoint you from time to time, amen? So let me tell you just a bit of my story. So here's my story. So personally, okay, <clears throat> I was born crippled, y'all. From, from day one, brothers messed up, amen? <laughs> my parents divorced when I was seven years old. Uh, we were a public aid family. We lived in public housing. My dad was severely alcoholic. My mother became a heroin addict. In fact, she died at the age of 39 as a heroin addict. Lord knows uh, that's too young to die. She, in fact, she had just turned 39. She was only 39 for two months. And that was a hard, hard, hard thing. Something a little more recently, though, back in 1992 when we were just getting our ministry launched because we have the church and then we have a community development ministry, a Christian community development ministry, one of our staff members stole, stole one-third of our income. Little budget was only $120,000. I couldn't buy a pair of shoes with that. But he stole one-third of our income, amen. And this brother was sure enough saved to the bone, loving God, speaking in tongues in a whole nine, and yet he was stealing from God. Uh, even more recently, my youngest son had just graduated from Washington State University. Apologies to all you Huskies. 
Somebody had to come from a good Seattle school, amen? <laughs> amen. But my son was nearly killed in a random drive-by shooting. Literally, he had graduated in May, was coming home from a football event in August, and somebody mistook him from somebody else and shot him, and he, the doctors are still amazed that he's still alive. But by the grace of God in his case, amen? Seven months after that, get this, my wife, uh, to whom I've been uh, lo loyally married to for 44 years now, was ne she, ne she nearly died from a brain aneurysm. So my son nearly dies from being shot. My wife, seven months later, nearly dies from brain aneurysm. And I'm going, Lord, you must have me mixed up with somebody else. Amen? Because the scripture does say the Lord will not put more in you than you can bear. And I looked around and said, God, you missed somebody, didn't you? <laughs> Woo, are you tired? I am. And what's been happening in your life? Where are those points where you've had a little hardship, a little disappointment, where you become disgusted, where you felt left out, uh, where you have felt maybe uh, that, that God has forgotten you? Well, today I just want to talk to you about how to manage hard times because God gives us some clues right here in Jeremiah 29. But think about Israel. Israel, you guys were, I know you don't like to say this today, it's a little scary. In fact, Israel was in slavery. Amen. The, the Babylonians had come and taken them from all their traditions, from all their families, from everything that was familiar to them, and had them in servitude. Amen. In forced labor, if you will. Okay, it was not a sweet situation. That was a less than ideal uh, predicament that they found themselves in, and it was too much to bear. So what should we do when we, when we find ourselves in a really bad situation? The real news is that life is and can be difficult. And the sooner that we recognize it, guess what? The better off we will be. Amen? Because if you keep expecting everything to be perfect and rosy, when something is not that way, you will fall out. Amen? And God doesn't want us to do that. But the good news is that God gives us clues as to how to manage. Somebody say hard times. So this is what we're going to, let's look at what our text says. One is to get to the word of God. So I want you to think, I, I'm, I'm going to prove to you that I'm not a Baptist preacher. Because I have four points in a poem, amen. Good Baptist had three points in a poem. Right? So I got four, I want you to say four Ps. <clears throat> so the way we're going to manage hard times is this. We're going to produce, we're going to pray, we're going to preserve and we're going to pursue. Say produce, pray, preserve, and pursue. Again, Babylon was in exile. And get this, they weren't going to be there just for seven months or seven years. They were going to be there for 70 years, baby. Whew. But God gives them instructions on how to manage that. So the first is this, uh, produce. So verse 5 and 6 says, yeah, I want you to build, I want you to plant, and I want you to marry, I want you to sing in a foreign land. Amen? Listen to all the active words there. This is what I want you to do. I want you to produce is what he's saying. I want you to be active is what he's saying. I want you to build some houses and I want you to settle down. I want you to plant some gardens and I want you to eat what they produce. And Lord knows how long it takes to grow tomatoes. Amen. <laughs> 
oh, I want you to marry and have sons and daughters. Lord, but this is not my home. I'm hoping to get back to, to the homeland, to the motherland, right? I want you to give uh, uh, your daughters in marriage. I want you to find wives for your sons. I want you to increase in number and do not decrease. God is saying, I want you to remain, somebody say, productive. The worst thing we can do when hard times come is to lose heart and to faint and to fall out. God said, no, 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 that's the wrong thing for you to do, amen. I want you, I want you to keep on, somebody, come on, do this with me. Keep on marching. Come on, no, somebody, come on, keep on marching. Keep on moving, amen. Keep on living. Keep on caring. Keep on crying, amen. Keep on laughing. Keep on doing all that you can do because you have to stay alive for the sake of the kingdom. Somebody say produce. This is the antidote to immobility. It's the antidote to numbness and paralysis. And that's what the enemy wants to do to us. He wants to stop us from engaging in the things that are important to God. See, living really is not about us. I, I'm sorry we have confused you all these years. You think you're still here because you look good. Because you're big and strong, amen. You think you're here because you're creative and you're innovative. But you are here for the sake, somebody say, for the sake of the kingdom. But the enemy does not want us you to be productive. He wants to immobilize you. So he uses hardship, Amen. I only heard one guy say, man, you, you get the ticket right there, brother. So he wants us to produce, amen? The second thing he, is that he wants us to pray. Listen to this. Also seek the peace and the prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it. Because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Lord, have mercy. Somebody say with me, the gods must be crazy. Come on, man. God, you, God you, you want me to pray for the very thing that causes pain in my life, the very people that causes pain in my life, the very people who have upset my apple cart, <coughs> the very thing that has me distraught? God said, absolutely, positively, without question. I want you to pray. Amen. Woo! For the people that causes pain and brings hardship. And if you like most people, you want retribution. <laughs> Lord have mercy. I told you about that fellow who stole one-third of our income. Lord, if I wasn't in Jesus, I'd have knocked his head to Mars. <laughs> Bam! Give me my money back. You, gonna, you, you will be my slave for the next 700 years. But God does not want us to be retributive. Retributive. He does not want us to take revenge, amen, or get payback. God says, do just the opposite. How crazy is that? But that's the Spirit of God. And that's the thing that can bring somebody to Jesus because when they harm you and you don't harm them back, because I think it says in Romans, do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. And when we do that, it shocks them. They, they, they don't know how to handle that because they're expecting you to say something bad about them when they said something bad about you. They're expecting you to tear something down uh, of theirs when they tear something down of yours, amen? And God says, no, do just the opposite. So prayer then becomes a guard for our hearts and for our spirit. Bible tells us not to be anxious about anything. I love the King James because it says, be careful for nothing. And when I was really young, I thought, God, you mean you don't want me to be cautious? No, no, no. That's the old King 
It's English, right? Careful meant to be full of care. God said, I don't want you to be full of care about anything. I don't want you to be anxious about anything, right? But rather with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. Now, how many know that nothing in the Greek absolutely means nothing? It means no thing. Amen. Don't let anybody tell you anything else. Amen. So prayer helps us to focus not on the problem, but get this, on the problem solver. So when things aren't working well, don't look out or down, look up. Okay, you, get, you got that? Don't look down or up, look up. Look up, look up. Look to your help, amen? Look to your help. Third thing is this. He's saying that to, to manage hard times, I want you to preserve. Say preserve. Verse 8 says, yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Do not let your prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to them or do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you and they're doing it in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. And this is what the Lord says. So when 70 years are completed, baby, guess what? Then I'll bring you home. And I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. Why? Because I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. I love, I love, I love this one. I love this. When you're in pain, we want to hear good stuff. You know those people who go from revival to revival or from conference to conference trying to get somebody to speak a positive word over their lives, tell me that I'm going to be married next week and I'm going to get a million dollars next week, I'm going to be this next week. And if we aren't careful, we will set people up to tell us something that is not true. So he says be careful to pursue, somebody say, the promises of God. Corey Ten Boom, uh, she said, never doubt in the dark. What God has spoken in the light, amen? So when God speaks to you in those good seasons and, and the season turns a little sour, a little dark, don't forget what God said to you in those good seasons, amen? But it, it means that in order for us to preserve, we have to know the word of God. Too many of us aren't spending enough time in the word. We don't know what the word says. And therefore, somebody comes along with something that sounds sweet, that sounds good, and guess what? They can sweep us off of our feet because we don't know that they're deceiving us. So in order to preserve the promises of God, you have to know the promises of God. Turn to the person next to you and say, you better get busy. Come on, spend a little, spend a little time in the word, amen. You don't have to memorize it all, just a verse or two, amen. <laughs> but you need to know the promises. So when in pain or in a hard place, you can just, you can rest on the word. I've got a son who's way out in somebody's field. I think it's past left field somewhere. He is, oh, he is loony. He, he is Mr. Looney Tune. But you know what my wife are doing? Rather than curse him, we keep speaking the word of God over him. Isaiah 54, 17 says, and no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Verse 13 says, and your son shall be taught of the Lord, and their welfare shall be great. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 7 says that if I walk upright before God, my seed will be blessed. And so what I'm saying to my, in my, over my son, I'm speaking the word of God. I'm holding on to the promises of God. I'm, 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 I'm crying, if you will, the word of God over my son. 
because I'm holding on to the promises. I, I walk by faith and not by sight. What I see can be discouraging, but what I know is that God is true to his word. At some point, my son's coming back to Jesus. But in order to preserve the word, we have to, somebody say, know the word. We need to ingest the word regularly, saints. And you have to fight for your time to engage with the word of God because there's so many other things that would distract you. Put that phone down. Unless you got your Bible on it. So, all right, that's your Bible. Now, I'm serious. I'm in, I, 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 my, my church is not as deep as this. It's a little shorter. And I walked out. And when I came back in, we had three windows. And a guy was sitting in the last row by the window. And I looked over. He was, he was looking at jerseys. Oh, it took all the Holy Ghost in me not to slap him upside the head and to say, dude, go home because you're not here for God because you're looking at jerseys, baby. Distracted. And we have so many things that can distract us, man. And we have to guard ourselves against those things so that we don't make time for what's really real. Amen. I don't know how much time I have left. I, I, I have not even watched the clock. How much? All I need, oh, right there. That's the word right there. That's the prophetic word right there. You have to give the prophecy. Come on, lay, lay hands on me, brother. Okay, so, so God wants us to manage hard times by being productive. Do not stop moving. Amen. Fight immobility and numbness and paralysis by being productive. He wants us to pray. He wants us to do the opposite of what the world expects us to do. Amen. And then he wants us to preserve his promises. So we need to know the promises of God. Here, here's the final P. Final P is, is pursue. Somebody say pursue God. I'm amazed at the number of people who when hard times come, they run from God rather than to God. You know some of those people? They don't go to church anymore. They don't stay in touch with the saints anymore. Right? That, I'm just mad at God. And they run from God rather than to God. No, that's the wrong thing to do. When hard times come, you want to somebody say, run to your help. Run to your help. We got to stop running from God, start running to God. Stop running from God, start running to God. Here, here's my, my basketball analogy because we're in the finals right now. And this is what happens when, when, a, when a basketball player is handling the ball and they get trapped they are taught to turn to their help, not from their help. Amen? They're looking for an outlet. They're trying to find somebody they can throw the ball to. they get, they got to keep that foot still. They can't do all this, otherwise they get called for traveling. But they keep that foot, but they're looking for an outlet. Amen? They're trying to run to their help, not from their help. <clears throat> when things get hard for us, run where? Run where? To your help, baby. Run to God. God's the only one can help us. This is why we need God in government. This is why we need God in politics. This is why we need God to be in our city offices because these folks aren't getting it done well. We need a word from God. They need to be turning to God, but they don't want to turn to God, so they just keep putting more money into it and more money into it, and it's not getting better because they won't turn to God. Some of us need to be there to encourage them to turn to God, baby. 
because what you're doing is not working. I was a meeting, at a meeting last night with the, with the mayor of Seattle and the police chief. And I said, so how much more money are you going to put into this homeless thing? And it's not working. How much more money are you going to put into youth violence and it's not working? What else are you going to do? And I just said to him, and there was another woman there too. She said, you know, baby, I don't, I don't know why we do this, but we just have forgotten God. And we left God out. I say, amen, mother. They're not running to God. They're running from God. And is there any wonder things aren't working? The Bible says, I looked at the hills, but where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Also says in 127, Psalms 127, unless the Lord builds the house. Guess what? The laborer labors in vain. Unless the Lord keeps the city, guess what? The watchman stays awake in vain. Unless the Lord is engaged, things can't get better for us. So we got to learn to pursue God. Somebody say, pursue God. Run to God, not from God. Turn to your help, not away from your help. Jesus. Mm, mm, mm. This doesn't make sense to anybody but me because I got to do this again twice tomorrow. If it's not making sense, I'll go home and write, rewrite another message. Amen. But, but God is saying this is how you manage hard times. God is saying this is how you get through those difficult times, those uh, disgusted times, those uh, disappointing times. I remember when, when my, my youngest, my oldest son was a football star in high school. He went to Old Day High School, and he was all city, all state, everything, both preseason and postseason. And man, oh, God. And so he went to college, and they told him they were going to redshirt him, and they discouraged him, and he started doing drugs. Oh, you know, that scared me. Because I look back at my mother, look at my sisters, look at my aunt and her husband who were all heroin addicts. I said, God, you, you, you cannot let this happen to, 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 to my boy. And, 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 and I remember saying, God, this is unfair. I've been loving you and following you, and I've been trying to keep your way, and I've been doing your work. And ah, ha, ha. Finally, finally, I realized that I need to stop saying it's unfair and just say it hurts because I am not exempt But I am grateful that God got us through that. Amen? I'm grateful that God came through. And we continued to produce. We continued to pray. We continued to preserve his promises. And we continue, my wife to this day, continue to pursue him. So let me close with not a poem, but, well, I guess it's a poem. It's the lyrics from a song. And the song is just titled, Stand. And it says, what do you do? When you've done all you can and it seems like it's never enough. And what do you say when your friends turn away and you're all alone? Tell me, what do you give when you're given your all and it seems like you can't make it through? Well, you just stand when there's nothing left to do. Just stand and watch the Lord see you through. And after you've done all you can, just Stand. And another stanza says, tell me, how do you handle the guilt of your past? Tell me, how do you deal with the strain? And how can you smile when your heart has been broken and filled with pain? Tell me, what do you give when you've given your all and it seems like you can't make it through? Child, just stand. 
when there's nothing left to do, you just stand and watch the Lord see you through. Yes, after you've done all you can, just stand. And that's a message to young, old, tall, short, wide, thin, rich, poor. It doesn't matter. God wants us to stand. Amen. So I want you to bow your head because some of you may be in that place tonight and you need a little encouragement. And I just want to pray that God would meet you right where you are. Because we do serve a God that cares about where you are right now. So Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for your people. God, and the reality is that the enemy can't do a thing to you, but he's always trying to get to us. Always trying to discourage us. Always trying to get us to quit, to stop, to give up, to lose heart. But I am praying, God, that will not happen, that no matter what comes or what goes, that we will continue to produce, continue to pray, that we continue to preserve your promises, and that, God, we will run after you with every ounce of strength that we have, even if we have to crawl after you, God. Help us. So strengthen us as your people. Build us as your people, God. Encourage us as your people. God, because we need you. We can't make this without you. So we ask all these things in your son's precious and strong, strong name. And let everybody say amen. Yo, subscribe to the YouTube channel. <laughs> <laughs> subscribe to this channel.